Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a great joy to be here with you. I'm so excited to have you join us for online church and be a part of this community of faith where we're trying to be more like Jesus. If you're a new here, if you're a visitor, we're excited that you are here with us. Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us. We're in this season of Advent, uh, and we're excited because we're talking about uh, messy Christmas. We talked last week about this idea the Christmas this year is just going to be messy. Christmas isn't going to be the way that we want it to. It's going to come with difficulties, uh, with deciding to even be with others at Christmas time or any of those things. And, and one of the things that we really uh, we called out last week was that uh, the Christmas was not always was, was always meant. To be messy. It was always intended to be messy. And what we, what we mean by that is Jesus came into a messy world with messy people, with messy relationships to help us to move past that, to move into the right relationship with God and to share that right relationship with others. And that was the idea, that was the core concept that we had for this understanding of, of messy uh, Christmas, that, that we want to recognize that Jesus is right here in the mess with us. Jesus calls us to, to love others the way that he has done. Jesus calls us to live the way that he, uh, he lived, and Jesus encourages us to do that. And, and the problem is, we have other people in our family. We have difficulty uh, with other folks in our families. Families are interesting. Families are interesting because uh, if you meet somebody on the street and you're like, man, I really did not like that encounter, uh, you can walk away and never see that person again. But in your family, there are individuals that come to, to, to Christmas or come to Thanksgiving and, and they're that guy or that girl. They are so annoying. They, they are one of those people that will say whatever is on their mind and, and not care about the consequences. Uh, for me, that, that was a guy named Gray. Uh, Gray's favorite phrase was, that dog will hunt. Um, other than that, you never knew what was going to come out of Gray's mouth. Gray would talk about religion and politics like it was the most important thing on the planet so that he could share his special perspective. Gray, Gray also was the guy that knew everything about anything. Uh, Gray has gone on to glory now, uh, but he really thought that he knew everything about everything. Uh, to me, when I think about Gray, what I think about is a combination of Cousin Eddie from Christmas Vacation and the dad from A Christmas Story right when he has come up from fighting the furnace. Uh, if you've never seen those movies, uh, they're, they're part of my Christmas tradition. So uh, I encourage don't watch this uh, Christmas Vacation with kids, though. Uh, anyway, it's just this, this whole idea of of a combination of these crazy characters, and this made up who Gray was. It, it was just nuts, and, and Gray really would not care what he said. And, and to me, it was kind of amusing because I didn't care about, you know, none of the stuff he was talking about really impacted me, but the other adults, the older adults, truly, they were just like, oh, here he goes. You know, they, they had to steal themselves, they had to prepare themselves uh, to get ready when, when Gray was coming on the scene. They had to, you know, a couple of days before, they're like, all right, Gray is going to be here. What are we going to talk about? And, and to be totally honest, I'm excited that Gray went on to glory before social media became a thing because 
that could have just been a, 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 a horrible, horrible situation where he would be that guy even on the internet <laughs> where he would share that. What's interesting to me is I look at my, at my family and, and I look at, at the individuals in my family and I think to myself, man, my family is the worst. Like it's the, the worst relationships. It's the most difficult things. It's just horrible. It's not where it should be. And, and what's interesting about all of us is we all think that we have that on top. Like our family is the worst. I mean, we can look at other families and say, okay, they are not even really a family or whatever. Um, but, but for us, because we have those intimate relationships, those family relationships with others, we recognize the brokenness within our own family a whole lot more then we recognize brokenness outside of it. And, and so we see through a, a magnified lens uh, all of the bad things that our families do. And, and maybe you have in your family a, a guy or a gal that is like gray, that does whatever they want and says whatever they want, uh, not really caring about the, 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 the responses or if it hurts anybody. They just want to make their opinion known. Maybe you've dealt with some of that in your own family. Maybe, may, maybe that's somebody really close to you. Maybe it's a, a sibling or a cousin or an uncle. Whatever it is, we've all dealt with that in, the, in our families. The family drama, the family difficulties that we go through when we try to do that. And when we think about Christmas, it can, it can raise the level of our concern. It can raise the level of our understanding that, hey, we've we got to deal with these people again that we don't like, we don't want to deal with them, but they're in our family, so we have to deal with them. And, and what I wanted to encourage us with this week is to talk about the fact that, hey, you know, when we look at Jesus' life, when we look at Jesus entering into the world, we see this, this beautiful scene with the nativity. And last week we kind of talked about this. We see all of that. But we don't really catch the fact that when Jesus came into the world, Jesus came into a messy world. Jesus came into a messy world intentionally so that he could help us to get through our mess. Jesus came into the world uh, to, to... Jesus came into our mess with us. Jesus came into the world to be alongside us. And that means that when Jesus came into the world, he didn't come into a pristine family. He had the same types of difficulties in his family relationships that we have in our family relationships. There were people in his family that got on his nerves. There were people in his history that I mean, we read the Bible and we hear these stories, but we don't really let this sink in. There was a guy named Jacob and Esau. Jacob was the younger brother of a guy named Esau. And, and what we see here, this is his, his father. Uh, and, and what would happen is the eldest would receive the blessing from the father. And then the eldest would take on the family tradition and be in charge of the family. And Esau was a very hairy man. So Jacob's mom had Jacob dress up in camel's hair and, and present himself to Esau's or to, uh, to their father so that, they, that he could receive the blessing instead of Esau. He stole his brother's blessing. Before that, he had made a cup of soup and had Esau sell his birthright for a cup of soup that he had prepared. And it just 
We don't, we don't catch this. So basically, he, he's out there manipulating his family to the nth degree, trying to get them to do what he wants. So he, and, then, and then he has to run away. He has to flee from his brother. Or, or maybe there's this one. Uh, this is uh, Joseph and the story of the coat of many colors. We, we all have heard this story. Actually, when I was searching for this, uh, they have Joseph sold into slavery coloring pages, right? Because we tell our kids these stories. Uh, but here's the deal. Joseph was, was the youngest of 12 brothers and, and when, when, at, at that time. And when he was there, um, his dad was just head over heels in love with him, gave him a coat with many colors. And, and he kind of, he thought he was an important guy in the family, right? He's special to dad. So obviously he's the most important of all of the kids. And, and he had a dream where he, he, where all of his siblings were, were bowing down to him. And instead of thinking to himself, self, maybe I shouldn't share that. Maybe, maybe that would offend, or maybe that would hurt somebody's feelings. No, he decided, hey, I'm going to share that with everybody. I'm going to tell you exactly what I dreamt about. Hey, y'all will all bow down to me. It was my dream. Hey, y'all got to do it now. And, and, and oddly enough, his siblings got irritated. They got upset with him. And he went out to the field where they, were, where they were watching sheep and they plotted to murder him. They were going to kill him. And, and so instead of killing him, they put him in a well. And then this is the picture where they sell him into slavery. And he, so my, my guess is that most of us don't have, at least don't have family members that are trying to sell us into slavery or, or get rid of us in that way. Maybe we do. I don't know. Uh, hopefully that's not the case. But the reality is that uh, these are the folks in Jesus' history, in Jesus' family. These are the stories of Jesus' family. This next one, I don't have a picture for. I don't have a picture for, and, and you'll see why as soon as we go through it. And this is about Isaiah. At that time, the Lord spoke through Isaiah, son of Amos. He said to him, take off the sackcloth from your body and the sandals from your feet. And he did so going around stripped and barefoot. Uh, other interpretations say going around naked and barefoot, naked without sandals on. And, and I mean, just, just three years, the Bible tells us he cruised around naked. I cannot imagine inviting Uncle Isaiah or Cousin Isaiah to Hanukkah, right? I mean, these, these have to be deep conversations where you're like, oh no, he showed up. He showed up and no, he's not wearing any clothes. I can't believe it. Uh, and this guy would go in front of pal into the palace in front of kings, buck naked to have the conversation to demonstrate that, that they had stripped away their faith in God. And, and so God had him go. Uh, now you see why I don't have a picture of this. Uh, but God had him go around naked for three years. And, and we think about this and we're like, well, that makes sense. Yeah, God did that. <laughs> but but what, what if one of your cousins, one of your uncles, one of your siblings decided, no, God has called me to walk around naked for three years? That would boggle our minds. And they definitely would suddenly become that guy or that gal. And you would be like, let's... Uh, Let's find a way not to invite uh, cousin so-and-so to Christmas. I mean, it would be so hard, right? And the, the reality is that we look at the stories in the Bible, and, and we, we, if, if we really start looking, we see just how messed up 
Jesus' family tree is, just how messed up our family tree is. And we kind of see the similarities in that. Again, Jesus didn't come into a pristine environment, into a family that was perfect. Last week, we talked about how Mary became pregnant in in the middle of this engagement betrothal uh, period where she was married in contract to Joseph, but not fully married to Joseph, and yet she comes up pregnant. And, and the difficulty we have is that now Mary, in her family's eyes, has, has broken the law as well. They, I can't imagine as a dad, my daughter coming to me and saying, hey, dad, I'm pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And I'd be like, that sounds cool. Uh, I, I would be a little bit skeptical uh, even though I'm, I'm a pastor in a church, I would be skeptical. And so we would have to have long conversations and things like that. So my, my, my deal is Mary probably was having that same difficulty with her family. And she's hearing negative comments and, and the rumor mill in the town that she lives in, and, and she just wants to get away. And so what does she do? She goes to her cousin's house. Her cousin is named Elizabeth, and her husband is named Zechariah. And she goes to Zechariah and Elizabeth's house. And Elizabeth is currently pregnant with John the Baptist. Uh, and, and so she goes to Elizabeth's house, and it says this in Scripture. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. She hurried because she wanted somebody that could give her a word of encouragement. She was that girl now in the community, in the family. She's the one that broke the rules. She's the one that's living in an incorrect way. And she's just trying to find anybody that will speak a word of grace to her. Uh, And so in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home, and Elizabeth greeted her. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Friends, maybe you've been in a place where everything is just going wrong around you. Everybody is is, uh, being a naysayer. Everything is just not going the way that it should be. And yet there is one person One person that speaks a word of love, a word of life, a word of truth to you that helps to strengthen you in the time of deep darkness. My guess is that's exactly what happened with Mary, that she was in a time of serious difficulty and, and she then had someone speak a word of life, a word of hope to her so that she could find hope in the darkness. And, and, and I think, friends, that, that this is what we are called to do in our families. We are called to, to look past the brokenness, to recognize that in Christ, everyone is a precious child of God. And through the, the understanding we have in who our Father is, that our Father is not willing to sacrifice any of us. So it's not like everybody is okay except Cousin Bob, or except Aunt Linda, or except whoever it is. Everybody is a precious child of God. 
everyone was created and is desired by the Father. Everyone is important to God. And yet we, we hold back some of that grace and some of that hope and some of those words of hope to those in our family because, quite frankly, they're just annoying. And, and I don't want to stand in front of Jesus one day and have him hold me to account on why I didn't share love and grace and hope with someone else. Paul really addresses this and tries to get our mind to understand just the newness, the reality of this new life in Jesus that we have, a, a lack of selfishness, a lack of, of our own sense of, of self-righteousness, and a sense of humility that comes from serving Jesus. It says this, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We will not view people the same way the world views people. We will see them as precious children of God. And we will speak to them and encourage them in a way that could lead to life eternal. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God calls us to be reconciled to himself and then gives us the ministry of reconciliation to go into the world and to do differently, to live differently, to encourage and to reconcile others to God and to ourselves. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. When we think of that one person in our family, the, the guy or that gal or that guy that's, that really just annoys us to no end, we think of it from a worldly perspective. And Paul's saying, we need to not do that. Don't think of them from the worldly perspective. Instead, embrace the perspective of God, that everyone is precious in the eyes of God. And here's why. And this is so true. I, I, know, I know I've experienced it. My guess is you, if you are honest with yourselves, you will understand this too. Because every once in a while, we are that guy or that girl. We are the ones that the rest of the family is frustrated by. We are the ones that the rest of the family wishes would not come to Christmas dinner. We are the ones every once in a while that have stepped on toes or spoken out of turn or said things that were hurtful or broken. I remember uh, right after I got out of the Navy, I had been out of the Navy uh, a year or so, and we went to Christmas dinner uh, at, at some uh, family's house. Um, and while we were there, you know, I, I, I sat at the table and, and enjoyed the food. I didn't prepare anything. Uh, I'm, you know, 20, 22, 23 years old. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the most important person in the room. So why would I prepare anything? Nobody asked me to prepare anything. I didn't have anything, any job with cooking. I didn't have any part to do with that. I just, my job was, I was there to eat right? I was there to be there uh, and, and partake 
and they could bask in my glory that I was right there with them. And, and you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a great guy. Y'all should really enjoy my company. And after the meal was done, where I had eaten way too much food and all of the dessert that I could, and I'm just sitting there stuffed to the gills, they, they came to me and said, okay, everybody that's under a certain age, which I fell under, I don't remember what that was. I think it's under, everybody under 25, y'all have to do the dishes. And I got upset by that. I got bent out of shape by that. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to do, yeah, fine, I'll do the dishes, but I'm going to rebel in my own way. And I made signs for all of the kids that were working with us that said, we'll work for food. I I, I made a joke about the fact that, oh, we'd eaten, so now we have to work. And, and, And all I was asked to do was do the dishes. And instead, I wanted to demonstrate, now I look back on it and I call it my adult temper tantrum. I, I was having an adult temper tantrum. I wanted them to know I'm displeased with, with you making me do the dishes. Yes, I just ate and gorged myself on all the food you provided. And yes, I'm enjoying sitting in your house. And yes, I'm enjoying the, the comforts that you have provided for me. But why should I, a guest in your home, have to do anything. And fortunately for me, I look back on that and I wasn't Christian yet. And so I was like, okay, so maybe I have a little bit of an excuse, but the reality is that wasn't the last time. And, and, and I look back on that and I, it just breaks my heart because I acted like a child and, and, and it, it made relationships difficult because people were like, oh, what is wrong with Steve? Why is he acting like this? Why is he doing these things? And, and so I was that guy. I, I was that guy, and I think about that, and it just hurts my heart because I understand what I was doing. I look back on that, and I see the mistakes that I made, and the reality is this. I, I'm just as messed up as the people that I'm holding accountable for being messed up in my family. I'm just as jacked up as other people in my family that, that annoy me or other people in my family that get on my nerves or other people in my family that have different viewpoints in me or other people in my family that have different lifestyles than I do that I don't agree with. And all of these things can hold me back. And God says, none of that is what I've called you to. You need to see them as precious children of God. You have received grace, so share grace. We have received so much grace from the Father. We have been given life from God himself. We have been given forgiveness and justification for our sins so that we can be more like Jesus. Let's not hold on to our own brokenness and, and, and single out individuals, but instead our job is to share grace. The message of reconciliation is to share grace with others. We have received so much grace and it takes so little to share grace. It takes so little to be the voice of life and hope like Elizabeth was to Mary. It takes so little to to put yourself out there and to share love with those in your family, even those in your family that are annoying, even those in your family that have different viewpoints, even those in your family that live differently, that don't maybe even recognize Jesus We have been called to a message of reconciliation, to a ministry 
of reconciliation. Let it start in our hearts. This Christmas season, the season of Advent, as we prepare for the coming of the Christ child, let it start in our hearts and let our hearts be overcome by the love and grace that we have received so that we can share that with everyone else we encounter, so that we can love our family and our friends the way that Jesus is calling us to, so that we can share grace with our families and our friends the way that Jesus is calling us to, so that we can share the Christmas spirit with everyone we run into, especially this year when it is so messy and so dark and so gross and we're just so concerned about everything that's going on. Do we travel? Do we not? Do we talk on the phone? Are we going to have Christmas by Zoom? And what is the meal going to look like? And all of those things. Let's include and love and share grace to everyone we encounter because Jesus has done that for us and calls us to do that for others. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you came into our messy world, and you got messy right along with us. And thank you for reminding us that your family was was just like every other family. Help us to be encouraged by that. Help us to take hope in that and to recognize that we can love our families and our friends and those that we encounter in the name of Jesus just as much as we can love those that are easy for us to get along with. So help us, God, to do just that. Help us to be focused on you and help us to allow your light and life and love into our hearts during this Advent season. Help us to prepare a space for you within us so that in us you can take root and and you can grow and nourish and nurture us so that we can grow more into the image of Jesus Christ. We ask this in the name of Jesus and everybody agreed and said, Amen.